Hello, everyone. Welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp, and you are not. And today we are joined by Sister Teresa McDonald over the internet. <laughs> Doesn't it? Can you feel her absence? Mm -hmm. Ah, we miss you already, Sister. We miss your horrible attitude and all the fights you started. Today is Friday. It's at some point in some month, and I think it's 2022. Is that right? Maybe. I got that part right. And I think it's March, yeah? So this morning, I woke up to two inches of snow. Yeah. And did you see the weather? First, yeah, I think it's, it's supposed to be 58 it's, degrees on Sunday. Listen, it's 66 60. next Thursday. Yeah. What I'm the so heck? We're it. barbecuing. Thank we you. are. We're going to, the three of us and whoever wants, we, we are going to put a dead cow over fire. How about hot dogs? Yes. This is a call for the hot dog stand to open. And if anybody wants to stop by and get a hot dog, well, you know. Yeah, we'll charge the heck out of you. Uh, <laughs> but what a joy to be here with you. And can I say this? Is it? So, can I say whose birthday it is today, or am I not supposed to do that? No, absolutely. Kim Dinger. I love Kim Dinger. She has the store that we did the show in, and it's her birthday today. She turns 29. Can you believe it? She is one of, one of the most joyful people I love life. Kim Dinger. I would take a bullet in the leg for Kim. Well, not really. I wouldn't take the bullet, but I'd like try to distract it when it came out the gun. You know what I mean? I was like, be like, over here, you know, and try. But anyway, Kim Dinger, Kim Rose Fashions, which of course I shop in. Uh, that is like a classy place. Like I feel so trashy when I walk in there. And not because of them. They're all so lovely. But I'm like... I, like, to me, this is dressed up. Like, I have clean socks on after yesterday's unpleasantness with Sister Teresa. Were you here for that? I can't remember. Do you know what happened? That poor deer, we were interviewing her. I said it right on the show. And I was like, man, my feet. And I slipped my shoes off under the table. And I don't usually have feet stank. I did. And it almost killed that beautiful nun. <laughs> I genuinely felt guilt. Sue and, Edwards yeah. said it's Father Dennis Spitzley's birthday. Oh my gosh, Father Dennis Spitzley. Can I tell you guys a Spitzley story? Yes. So when I was in, I think, eighth or ninth grade, there was a priest who was moving into Owasso. I don't remember who. All I know is mom did what she tended to do. She gathered about six of us high school, or uh, six of us boys up, put us in a van, drove us to Owasso, and said, you're going to help this priest. So... This priest had some stuff. At least that's how I perceived it, right? I was like, holy cow, how can one human? But either way, we unloaded it all. Then we put it where he wanted. And one thing I remember, this was weird. He didn't have a bed. He had this mat that he put on the floor. He said he bought it in Japan. I'm like, you know why they sold it, right? They didn't want it, bro. But either way, so we're finishing up, and I'm walking through the kitchen, and there's this wonderful priest sitting at the table sipping his coffee and he says young man and we started talking and he said have you ever thought of being a priest and I think he is the first priest to ever have talked to me about being a priest and that's father Dennis Spitzley wow. so that's a true story I love him yeah I do think he was the first priest to even mention that to me and, you know, my experience, if you've heard my testimony, it wasn't good yeah. after that in particular. Like, I remember saying to one guy, I'm thinking about being a priest. He was like, oh, my God, don't do it. Okay. Run. So, um, 
What are we doing now? What is today? We have to talk about one thing. What do we got to talk about? Baseball. <gasps> and do you know when baseball is coming back? On Ask me birthday. what day. On my birthday. Do you know that? We. La 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 la. Oops. I may have ruined the celebration. Anyone know where? Oh, here it went. Is it still on? Yep. Now I'll try again. La 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 la. Hey, baseball's coming soon. We're gonna watch it on TV. And uh, stars, uh, God and Jesus with Amen. <clears throat> I got the text last night. And Carrie, do you know who texted me? Okay, wait a minute. What? Somebody is saying, I did not know this came of this. I did not know. They now have the same rule for designated... Yeah. National League's got a DH now. Did you see that? Which, I don't care. I'm American League. I'm vaguely aware there's a National League and they try to play baseball. Right? And if it's National League, I tend to root for Milwaukee because I love Kevin Nugent. Right? I mean, that's just pure loyalty to Kevin Nugent. I tend to root for the Cardinals because we have an obscene amount of Cardinals fans in this parish. Did you know that? We do. I don't know what it is. Um, and I, that's kind of it, really. I mean, yeah. But so other than that, I'm not really aware of the National League. I love Kevin Nugent. I love my parishioners. So those are my National League teams. Yeah. Um, but yeah, April 7th, which is, I don't know if you know, this is a holy feast in the church. It's the birth of Joe. <laughs> it's like a a whole week-long celebration. Yeah. When I'm dead, I want you guys to eat hot dogs on April 7th, unless it's a Friday in Lent, which it often is. My birthday <laughs> is usually during Lent. There was a little Christmas today. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but if I pull off sainthood, and I probably should start, like, trying soon, uh, I think there's something like prayer that's a part of it. I don't know. I know you're supposed to have two miracles. Card tricks do not count. I checked it out. I should show you guys. Do you have a deck of cards? I can do a cool card trick. No? But we'll line one up for next week. I can actually do a cool card trick, seriously. Uh, But anyway, that doesn't count as a miracle, tragically. I don't know why the church is so nerner. But anyway, baseball starts on April 7th of this year, so it's late, but they're going to play all 162 games. Did you know that? Yeah, and the National League gets a DH, and they're going to introduce a pitch clock. Oh, great. You know, it's funny. I'm torn on pitch clock, and here's why. It is a mental game as much as physical, and those pitchers need a minute. If you ever watch what they're... I know, this chair is dying. Seriously, that handle fell off, and now, did you see this? Now I can fall back if I want, like the clock. It's not. We don't need that paperwork. Right. Yeah. Look, I'm doing this to try this to get will, back. This will be like the mass. Well, it doesn't matter what happens to him. We have stop. to finish the show. Yeah. And if I die, seriously, you all need to eat hot dogs on April 7th. If I die in a chair accident, that would be so cool. Okay, I either want something huge or something petty. Do we know what day of the week? Hold on. Let me see what day of the week you're I don't know, but while she's looking, think of this. I want to either get hit by a cement truck or like... No, he was opening the fridge, he hit his head, he fell, slashed into a cupboard, and died. Something ridiculous. I I, I have to start planning your birthday now. April 7th, it's a Thursday. I've got three words for you. Hot dogs. We may have to have a hot dog cooker here or something. Yeah. Yeah, we're only a month out, so let's get after it. What is it now? March something. 11th. 11th. Okay, so just, you know, it's less than a month. (sighs) 
I think Amazon should have a special, like, it's Father Joe's birthday thing where you can point Amazon, and click. you quit there. But how about the MLB? They are. MLB. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, anyway... I'm sorry, I'm talking nonsense already, and we barely started. Uh, but yeah, baseball starting April 7th, and I, I thank you for all your prayers, and everyone who prayed for an end to the lockout automatically received seven Jesus points. Whoa. And if it turns out your prayers are the ones that actually worked, add a zero to that. <laughs> but we won't know till heaven, right? So like when you get to heaven, the Lord's like, I'm so sorry, but it wasn't yours. It was, you know, it was probably Martha in New York who got it done in the end. And Mrs. K, that's what I think. Uh, so what are we talking about here? Love it or hate it. I got to blow up my screen. Whoa, wrong screen blew up. Hey, love it or hate it. Baseball has finally, baseball finally has the same rules for DH. It only took them 50 years or about as long as a Red Sox-Yankees game. Agree? I'm just happy we have baseball back. Me too. Me too, really. And again, I don't mean this mean. I don't care about the National League. I care about them once a year when we beat them for the World Series. You know? Uh, and again, I love Kevin Nugent, so I root for my Brewers. I think I have a Brewers hat he gave me somewhere back there. And I love Rich Cross and all of his friends, so I root for the Cards. And I loved Pujols. And how do you not love Yadier Molina, the greatest catcher God ever made, I think. Okay, could you do a brief... Oh, will you ever get back on Twitter? If you do not, I may have to close my account. They still have me suspended. It's been two months now. Uh, or more than that. I don't know. And I've appealed, and I've never heard back. Yeah, so I don't know if they ever let me back on. I don't know. Yeah, I will. I'll unfollow everybody. Uh, what? Was well, that bad to say? Well, I mean, yeah, you're talking to some of the people that follow you. I don't follow most people, though. Oh. Right? Because what it is is this. And I don't, like, people's hobbies are their own business. But... So if I'm following you, every time you like a tweet, retweet a tweet, reply to a tweet, it comes on my timeline. And what ends up happening is you only see the most contentious topics, right? Mm -hmm. So I unfollow people not based on I don't like them. It's that they like or reply to tweets. And if it's an account I blocked, if I block you, Chuck, and Carrie replies to you, I see your tweet. What the hey? So, uh, I don't know. Could you do a brief rundown on the process of becoming a priest? Sure. Um, and some of it might have changed. I, I know that sounds funny, but, uh, well, let's just do this. I think the first step is a young man approaches maybe his pastor. And if this is too much detail, tell me. I don't know how much detail you want. Uh, and says, look, I'm interested in a job with that'll get me the money and the checks. And the guy says, priesthood, bro. Because uh, the key is, if you can get them hooked before they figure out what's really going on, they're in. I'm just kidding. So no, a young man approaches maybe a priest and says he's thinking about priesthood. And so then you connect them with what's called a vocation director. And I think every diocese has one. And what a vocation director is, it's usually a priest or a lay person who then guides that young man through the process of discernment. So it's a little different, like if a young couple comes in and tells me they want to get married, we do marriage prep. And the assumption when you do marriage prep is that these two are going to get married, 
right? It doesn't always happen and it shouldn't always happen. Uh, but that's the default. When you enter into discernment for priesthood, there actually tends to be a very small chance you're going to end up getting ordained. Uh, because I think most people are called to marriage. I really do. Um, so, uh, and tell me if I'm going into too much detail, listeners, uh, or tell me if you want more details. I really don't know what you find interesting. Um, so come Holy Spirit. Now you've connected with the vocation director and we're going to figure out a couple things. Let's say you have finished college. Okay. So you're graduated. Uh, and help me remember to go back to what if you didn't graduate college. Okay. So you finished college and you went to a secular university. So me, I went to the university of Michigan. I'm so sorry. So then what did they do when I was in they said, okay, you're in what's called pre-theology. So it's this amorphous little world between college and grad school. And during that year, which is now two years, I think, you learn Latin and you learn philosophy. And do you think it's okay if I tell that story about Sister Jeanette? Because it does involve swearing. Do you remember this? Mm -hmm. I think it's hysterical, but I don't know. Guys, this next story, there's profanity at the end of it. It's not awful, but it is hysterical. Uh, that when I went in, oh, no, I should stay focused on what we're doing, shouldn't I? Okay. So they tell you, no? You're tell gonna have story. people. Oh, yeah. tell the story. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so remember our curious minds. Oh yeah, yeah. I got you guys. Sorry. So I went in and I showed my college transcripts. Three point nine. Thank you. And uh, I was so awful at high school. I, I just didn't care. And I was so good at college, where it was like you don't have to go to class every day. They could just give you a book, and then leave you alone. It's <laughs> like yes. Okay. So uh, I go in and show her my transcripts, and she goes, okay, so we got to sign you up for Latin, right? I get it. Uh, and then she starts signing me up for all these philosophy classes. I'm like, sister, I got a degree in philosophy from U of M. And she was this tall, right? And she said, and here's the profanity, sorry, everyone. Oh, son, everything they taught you was bullshit. That's what she said in the thickest accent you've ever heard in your life. And she said it so sincerely. And so I had to get another degree in philosophy. So and I got a philosophy. And did you agree with her in the end? Oh yeah, second week. I was like, how the heck? I want my money back. Yeah, well like what almost any intelligent person does when they're in their third year out of college, they're like, I went into lifelong ruinous debt for that. Um, is that bad to say? Oh, okay. I didn't mean it bad. It's just, I think that's a natural process. But be that, because seminary and college have the same weakness and the same strength, right? All they can teach you is the ideal. That's all they can do. They can tell you in an ideal system, do A, B, and C. But there are very few ideal systems. And it's up to you to plug the ideal into the reality. And that's what most people don't seem so skilled at anymore, truly. And I, I don't know what that is, but so you graduated from a secular college. So you do now, I think it's two years of pre-theology and then four years of theology. That's the grad school program. Um, and that's how it works now. Now, in terms of how do you get from vocation director to seminary? That's the tough part. It really is. Um, multiple interviews with psychiatrists, 
um, priests, lay people. Um, it's tough to get to that point. And then if you get through all of that, then you have a meeting with what they call the formation board. So that's a team of men and women and some priests who interview you. And, uh, and then if you pass that, you go meet with the bishop. So I've known young men, for example, I know three personally who got all the way to the bishop part and the bishop said no, right? And then you can't proceed, right? The bishop might give you criteria. Hey, come back in a year, right? And why would the bishop say no? Well, because he gets it, right? Um, you only want guys in the fight who, I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, who are in the fight. And as you can tell from the priests assigned to your parish, and the fact that I got through, it's not an infallible process. Uh, <laughs> like, when I was on the formation board, I batted 0 for 8. Yeah, like 8 guys where I was like, oh, heck yeah, and none of them got in. <laughs> not one. You'll love this. This is a true story. I've sent, besides that formation board, I've sent 12 young men to discern, and the diocese did not accept one. Two people who I said, no, I wouldn't do that, they got them in. So I gave up. I literally gave up years ago. I'm like, I'm clearly awful at this. Like, the two that I went, oh, no, don't do it, they did it. The, the 12 that I was like, guys, come on, they're like, we'd rather be shot. And out of those 12, though, five of them are priests in other dioceses or okay, religious so orders. Yeah. So you weren't that far off. Oh, I'm off. <clears throat> are they happy? Are they good priests? Oh, I hope so. Yeah, I, I hope so. Gosh. But I'll tell you how bad it was. This is a true story. True story. When I was at MSU, where Jesus went to school, there was a young man who came to me. He's like, I'm applying and I'd love you to write a letter. I'm like, bro, don't ask me. <laughs> You don't know me. Truly, this is true. You don't know me. Uh, I had no influence on you, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, what are you doing, man? I'm like, trying to get you in SEM. Because this is a cat where I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, when he came to me, I got so excited. So he did it. He applied, and he said he didn't know me. Uh, all this, he got in. Well, then, there's, this is true. There's this form that I now got to fill out. It's his pastor. He was kicked out. And I know it's bad luck. I called and I'm like, guys, here's, what the, here's the data. And they were like, Joe, that's just bad luck. Okay. Um, what are we doing now? Oh, so then, oh, you guys, I'm so scattered. Okay, young man goes to his priest. He's already finished college. He goes through, the, the vocation director thinks this is a good candidate. They're, they're clear with you. You are a candidate. You're not becoming a priest, right? Then you go through psychological, spiritual, and social testing. And if you get through all of that and you get through the bishop, then the bishop says, we want to send you to Sacred Heart in Detroit, the greatest seminary in the history of Western civilization. That's just in science. And so then you go interview with them. And maybe they accept you, maybe they don't. So if they accept you, then you go in through this two pre-theology and four theology. So it takes you four to five years of college and 
six years of seminary. I'm so bad at this. They didn't require math. <laughs> yeah, math wasn't a requirement, which yeah, is good because they put you in charge of million-dollar budgets. Because that's all part of the grace of orders. You suddenly become good at budgets and personnel. Um, so now let's say you're a high schooler. Uh, same process, a ton of psychological tests, a ton of discernment, and then they'll send you to Sacred Heart, same exact process, except that one's a little shorter. You can get your you can get out of seminary in nine years if you do it right. I mean, if you push, you can do it right. Okay. Now, my first day in seminary, um, we were all there, uh, and it was all of us guys who were new to the seminary that year. And uh, the rector, who was a guy named Neinstadt, gave a speech, and it was lovely. It really was. But it was also scary because he said an interesting thing. He said, 50% of you won't complete this year. And then of that remaining group, 50% will get ordained. And he was basically right. It was interesting. Um, and what causes someone to leave seminary? Any number of things. Probably the most common reason is they realize they're not called. Right, it's a sense of, okay, some guys learned, they were uh, sort of like that beautiful thing in the Bible where God says, are you willing if I ask? Yes, okay, <laughs> you know what I mean? And some guys had in seminary this beautiful moment, truly, where they recognized, no, this isn't for me, praise God, I have discerned, right? Uh, other guys maybe can't perform academically. Um, some guys, the seminary sees something in your character that leads them to think, no, this isn't good. Some guys, they see things in your character and say, that's awesome. Go get married and have 900 kids. Uh, it could be anything. Uh, within the seminary process, again, my information might be old, okay? There is what they call internal formation and external formation. How does that work? Internal formation is you and a priest or civilian or both uh, and everything you talk about or work through together is confidential in the highest level, the, like a confession almost. They will not talk about or act on what you share with them. And what that's to do is to give you a free place to grow spiritually and emotionally without fear of repercussions. Is this making sense? Okay, external formation is everybody else on staff. The teachers, uh, uh, the teachers, and, and the, the teachers. Oh, the teachers. And they're watching you in class. They're reading your papers, not in a creepy spy way, right? Like you know this and they're very open about it. They're seeing how do you work in groups? Uh, are you humble? No. Um, are you prayerful? Uh, they're looking for traits. Is this going to work? And, you know, they periodically meet and you get what are called formation reports. Uh, truly, mine always talked about my language. It's so funny. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And, I, and, and it was never, like, truly, there was one thing that was written to me, two, in the whole time in seminary that hurt my feelings because they felt mean, right? But on all the others, they really did a nice job of affirming what's good and challenging what needs work. And I really did appreciate that. One thing, um, my third year, 
and and I've shared this with you. This was transformative, um, and I needed to hear it. Uh, and it's kind of funny, but we were playing. So we had a basketball team uh, my second year, and we were very good. We made the Detroit Free Press a few times. We beat uh, Detroit. Uh, you uh, Detroit, dear. Yeah, Heidi just texted me. Earthy euphemisms, right? Why? Because that's what they wrote. That's what they called swearing. My you, my employing of earthy euphemisms. Nice yeah, and when I read it, I says, well, I'll be a monkey's uncle. Um, but we were playing basketball against a team, and um, I was playing a uh, week forward, okay? So the guy I was playing against was bigger than me. But not to be funny, I could dunk. I could dunk. I could play serious basketball. Uh, and he, he was, when I would post up, he was giving me a little kidney music, right? And so about the second quarter, probably, I know it was toward halftime, I really got mad. And I turned around and said, you do it again, and I knock you, blah, blah. And the ref heard, teed me up. Okay, so now I go over and I'm sitting on the bench and I'm furious, I'm steaming. And the coach comes over and said, what, what is going on? I've never seen you lose your temper. And I said, the guy's a cheater, man. And I, and I told him, if he does it again, I'm going to knock him on his blah, blah. And he goes, well, make sure you do. Right? Make sure you do. Right? Back it up. So I go back out after I've calmed down. And I post up. And he starts giving me a little, how you doing? And I spiked the ball, turned around, and dropped him. Right? He hit on his butt and slid, and I'm out. Right? And they throw me out, and I can't play the next game either. Right? So, uh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know. See, but in my head, you know, I've told you this. It's like, well, that's what you do. You know. Oh, yeah. If you show weakness in that situation, that's how we were raised. That's how you grow up. You. If you want to make sure there's not a fight, make sure there's not a fight. Make sure there's just what you did to end it. Is this terrible? But this is how I thought. So the rector who I worshipped, right, Bishop Vigneron, now Archbishop mm -hmm. Vigneron, and I, I tell you he's God's twin. He is holy. He is tender. He is smart. I... I I, I believe I've met a saint, okay, and this beautiful holy man. But in the end, I had a conversation with him and the vice rector, and I was, of course, in danger of getting thrown out. Um, and I think for them it was a realization that nothing else occurred to me, right? Nothing else occurred to me. But then Monsignor Easton was the vice rector. He said, we gained an insight in your character, Joe. Right? And he wasn't saying it's scary. I don't know how to explain this. But he said, this is, might be part of the reason you're so nice all the time. Because you know you've only got one other gear. And that is a dark gear. Right? And he said, I want you to discuss this with your spiritual director and your confessor. Um, and they never brought it up again. Right? They were done. And they knew I was embarrassed and contrite. And truly, like, again, uh, Easton said, 
we could tell by your face you were shocked, we were shocked, <laughs> right? And, you know, they are studying you that closely. Mm -hmm. um, and again, not in a creepy way. Does this sound creepy? No. Nope. Okay. It but, sounds like I want somebody to pick my priest that way. <laughs> yes. Um, now, there's politics that makes it tough. I have personally experienced the seminary telling a diocese, do not ordain this guy, and they do. Right? And I have experienced the seminary saying to the, to the diocese, ordain this guy, and they don't. Right, and in the end, Rome is one of the big problems because if a bishop sends a guy to Rome, Rome will not throw them out. I mean, if they murder someone, maybe. But they don't want to tick off the bishops who supply them with students. So there's politics. Uh, I think that's politics, I don't know. And I get it, I hope it doesn't sound like I'm saying it's evil. I think that's just life. Yeah. But a lot of times people, what are they doing in those seminaries? I think they're doing a lot right. Uh, I really do. Uh, but there's a whole lot of human freedom in here. And there's a whole class of seminarian that dances. You know this one? Mm -hmm. Like they act a certain way to get through so that they can get ordained and fix the church. Mm -hmm. And we have no shortage of those guys. Mm -hmm. In fact, someone wrote me a thing, why don't you like Dr. Taylor Marshall? I don't dislike him. But he openly tells seminarians, fake it, get through, and then fix the church. And he doesn't say it that arrogantly. Uh, that's demonic. That's lying. That's a sin. Uh, and that's acting like God somehow can't win without our cheating. And I don't like that at all. I don't. And I've seen a lot of Catholic traditionalist speakers who do that crap. And again, I've paid for it. You've paid for it. We've paid for it by having priests who danced so they could get ordained and then they're awful. And what is the answer that they have? Well, we're not awful. The church is awful. We're here to, we're here to save it. So I don't know. Um, what if you're a high school student? Did I do that? Yeah. So I think that's kind of it. Um, the academics are challenging. Uh, I found them fun. Uh, it's a ton of reading, a ton of discussing, at least again, as I experienced it 30 years ago. Um, I had, I believe, the best seminary staff it was possible to assemble. Um, I, I can't even. Like, I feel I owe God. I owe the church. I owe such a debt because I've been given the best of everything. You know, and it freaks me out. Right? I had an amazing mom and dad. I had a great church. I had an incredible seminary. And my first pastor was, to me, the best pastor in the world. I had three great bishops. Right? Think about it. Pavish, Mengling, Boyer. All three totally different, um, different strengths. Uh, I mean, and then I've been at the best parishes every frickin' time. Everything has been given to me on a plate. And I feel such a beautiful, loving debt. Uh, but it's heavy some days. It is. I think about that. And I'm like, judgment's going to suck. Uh, so... Um,
There, did that help? Or is that way too much? No, I, I don't know. And seminary is a riot, at least when I was there. Now, I don't know. One of my buddies said they're all so serious now. We messed around a lot, and we had a riot. Um, it's hard work, and you're living in a group, which always stinks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, is that okay to say? No. Okay. Uh, so, like, you're living with it. me. I was living with 86 dudes. And we did degrade to caveman status. I, I remember, right, Dr. Uh, what's her name? She came in one time to do a rector's conference. We had one every Thursday. Mm -hmm. The whole seminary gets together, and the rector presents a topic for you. It's not academic. It's formational. And then sometimes he might say, well, I want these people to come in. Like one time. Oh, I don't know if I should tell that story. Okay. Yeah, okay. So uh, why was I bringing that up, rector's conference? Oh, I remember one time they came in and gave us the you've all degraded cavemen. Uh, they it's one did. of my favorite stories. Oh, yeah. Like, it was awful. And we were, like, communicating in grunts and thumping tibia bones on the floor, and it was like, maybe that's not the best way to go. <laughs> okay. My son asked me this one. If you go to seminary and for some reason you discern out who pays for the school school bill. Last I knew, you do. Um, but of course, in a humane way, it's not like secular college where they, uh, you know, uh, what do you say? Like you pay back, not with interest. Um, I think. Now, believe it or not, when I was in, you didn't pay it back. Now, if I got ordained, this is what, when I was in, and then left the priesthood in under seven years, I had to pay for my education. For some reason, they came up with the number seven years. That if you serve seven years, you've paid back your debt. Because seminary, not college seminary, grad school seminary is crazy expensive. Yeah. How do dioceses decide which seminarians to... We're talking seminarians today. I kind of like this. This is easy. I don't have to stretch my brain. Um, why do dioceses... How do dioceses decide which seminarians study in Rome? <laughs> um, oh, boy. Uh, I have no idea. Uh, in seminary, our assumption was these are the guys they think can be bishops someday. But I don't know if that's true. I know everyone they sent to Rome in my class is a bishop, and none of the guys they didn't send to Rome are bishops. So I think that's fair. That's our thinking. Um, we also have other cynical thoughts on the topic. Uh, can you tell me why a priest in the Lansing Diocese can't do a Mass in the Grand Rapids Diocese? Okay, uh, you're hitting a spot for me here. Uh, I think this is okay to say, and if I need to repent, pray for me. Dead serious. Because of mitigating liability. I really believe that. Right? It is, to me, ridiculous that I can't go to a parish 20 miles away and pray Mass with a priest who went to seminary with me, unless, get this, that priest calls his bishop, his bishop contacts our bishop, our bishop talks to Julie, who's a goddess, Julie Fetch. If Julie Fetch, if you ever read Julie Fetch retired, run. The whole diocese is going to collapse. Uh, Julie Fetch then uh, takes a letter from the bishop that says Joe's a priest in good standing and doesn't hurt children. The letter they don't send us for bishops. And then they take that letter and send it to the priest who now knows that 
what he already knew. I'm a priest in good standing. And then I can go pray mass there. We'll move on. I'm bitter about this. I get it. Yeah. No, really. They call it a priest crisis, but it really wasn't. Right. Um, I do think it's about mitigating liability. I do. Sure you're right. Mm -hmm. Sure you're right. Are there any more seminarian questions? Because this is fun. Dang. Okay. Thank you for your seminarian questions. I've never been asked those. Isn't that, or that I know of on this show. Okay. Oh, can I tell you this? Yes. I saw Dennis Rodman at seminary when he played for the Pistons, yeah. right? So I was there, come Holy Spirit, 93 to 98. I skipped a year, right? Uh, I got out in five, which is cool. Uh, he was there. So we had a gym at Sacred Heart that had a very unique floor and apparently was somewhat historical. But he came to do a commercial about a thing you put on the basketball hoop that cycles the ball back to you, right? So if you make the free throw, funk, yep. And we saw him come in to film that commercial in the gym. Isn't that cool? This is when he was in his normal... Yeah, this was pre-Bulls. Yeah, Yeah, this was when he was still with the Pistons, right? So for him, it was when Chuck Daly retired. He really fell apart. Chuck Daly held him together. Uh, Because we won it, what, in 89 and 90? Yeah. Um, Okay. I'm trying to think if there's anything else cool about seminary. I got to tell you. Can I tell you two funny stories? Yes. Okay. So this one, I think, is hysterical. But it may be people listening to this. I don't know. Don't be oversensitive, okay? So um, they announced to us at a rector's conference that we have two students from China coming. And so they had someone come in and kind of give us a primer on Chinese culture. And their big thing was this. There's two Catholic churches in China. There's the state Catholic church, which Rome doesn't approve of. And there's the underground Catholic Church, which Rome approves of, but they execute you for in China, right? Uh, Who's on the Human Rights Commission for the UN. Isn't that great? Uh, So, you know, basically it was like, don't ask questions. Leave them alone. You know what I mean? Don't ask them, well, are you in the state-sponsored church, you heretic? You know, because anybody in it might be playing ball so they could really get communion to the Catholics. You get, it was all very complex. And then there was just how to be polite, uh, how to say uh, thank you, sure, sure, which my hearing aid says to me all the time. So uh, then they said this, we have a really nice section of books on China in our library. We encourage you to go check them out. So I love to read. So I immediately, conference is over, I hightail it to the Cardinal Edmund Chaka Library. And when I get there, I go to the card catalog, and oh yeah, you remember, there was no computers, right? And I good, 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 good. And okay, so I go over to the China section, empty. I'm like, who moved this fast? Like, I, oh, so I'm leaving the library, and there's a big glass display case with all the books about China. <laughs> and it says, welcome Jin Dei and Kei Guang. And I'm like, Ugh. so I made a sign, I'm dead serious, in case of Chinese seminarians break glass. <laughs> and I put it on the thing, and I thought that was one of the best things I did. 
Formation did not agree. Um, oh yeah, the other one was uh, there was a priest, Father Gary, who was teaching us. Like this was when the church was moving us away from bird bath baptismal fonts to flowing water big fonts, which we're really supposed to do if we can. So to teach us how to do it, and this guy was cool. He built one, and and it was really slick. Like he just took a kiddie pool and painted it blue and then built a wood framer on it. It looks smoking. You would never have guessed that the... Well, anyway, so he put it in this huge um, foyer, I think you say, where you come in the doors and it's just a wide open kind of box with, you know, marble pillars and it was this beautiful thing and right in the middle of it is this font the size of this room. I mean, not really, maybe half. And I put a no lifeguard on duty sign. Um, at the end of the day, do oh, I got another seminarian question. Um, at the end of the day, do seminarians have a place to unwind, relax, and bond? Yeah. Uh, like for us, it was Thursday was the big night. Uh, we had come Holy Spirit. Our last class was 6.30 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. And then we would go and have a holy hour and I think I've got the times right, from 9.45 p.m. till 10.45 p.m. And then after the holy hour, we would all go upstairs to a place called Oberg's. It was like a bar we built. Um, and it was just a nice place. There were pool tables, there were card games. Um, if you were old enough, there was beer. Because most people, the young, you know, like I was 20, I remember at one point I was 25 and I was one of the younger people there. You know, um, uh, it was really joyful. And there was also like Saturday morning, you got to sleep in, right? There was no 7.30 or 7 a.m. morning prayer. Um, and I loved that because it was just wait till you get a group of about five. When you wake up, open your door, right? And everybody had coffee machines in their room. And you sit there and you drink your coffee and you wait, someone will wander in, you know? And, and then when there's five of you or so, do morning prayer together. And that was, I know that sounds small, that was one of our really beautiful joys. Uh, Sundays were also nice. We had morning prayer and mass, and then we were done. Uh, and it was crazy. Uh, and they really didn't encourage you to do much except have fun. Uh, uh, so, uh, oh, and then Sunday ended at 10 p.m. You had to be back in the chapel by 10 p.m. for night prayer. Um, yeah, lots of chit-chat, lots of, uh, uh, it was a very social place. Um, I, I, I enjoyed seminary. I couldn't wait to get out of there, right? Uh, I wanted to be a priest so bad. By my second year is when I really had caught fire. I was like, I want to be a priest. And that was the only reason I wanted to get out was so I could go be a priest. And the other thing they killed that they did when I was in was you did a year in a parish. Okay, so they don't do this anymore. But between your come Holy Spirit, your third year and your fourth year, you left seminary for a year to go live and work in a parish. And I really wish they wouldn't have got rid of that. Yeah. I really do. It would be a fantastic <laughs> idea because by the time, by the time you finished your first year as a priest, you realize you had no idea that and nobody failed that's just life I think it's probably like marriage you thought you knew what marriage was and then when the first year's done you're like 
I had no idea. And that's not a bad thing, right? That doesn't mean you or Cassie or you and John failed. That's just life. But a priesthood's unusual. Like a married person who finds that out usually still wants to be in a covenant. They just, oh, I, I better figure this out. A priest doesn't, a lot of priests leave in the first five years. Because what they prepared for and what was in their head and what all the experts on the internet told them, it's not true. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they, they, they tend to come out with this, well, if I just do this, this, and this, it'll work. <laughs> no, people are wild. I'm wild. That's the problem. Uh, but uh, I do wish they wouldn't have abolished that year. And, and for the simple reason, I lost two classmates that year. What if those guys got ordained? And why did they leave? Oh, this isn't what I thought. Right? Praise the Lord. Well, that's a victory. And the rest of us came back like, oh, yes. Right? Let me at it. And uh, anyway. What is the rule of having children before becoming a priest? You definitely should, not after. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was that funny? Or are you horrified? No, be honest. Okay, no, please don't. Uh, but uh, there are priests who um, were married, whose wife went to be with the Lord. Uh, I met a few of those. They have kids. Um, there are uh, Anglican converts now in seminary. There was one when I was in, uh, but who are married and have kids and they're becoming Roman Catholic priests. So they go through some seminary. Um, but uh, I think the church would consider it. Well, how's this? My assumption, because I'm not 100% sure that child has to be independent before you can go into seminary. Right, independent financially, emotionally, you know, and not that you leave them, but seminary is a full time gig, you know. Father Steve had kids, yeah, mm -hmm. and was in seminary, mm -hmm. and young kids, yeah, and wife, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Okay, we often talk about giving all that we can to God, but where is the line between giving from need and being irresponsible? For example, tithing when you're a poor college student, yeah, no, be responsible. Right. Tithe technically is 10%. Okay. Uh, but you, you don't want to um, starve your kids to, uh, you know, fix a pew. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think be responsible. Um, like for me, I try, here's the line I try to keep. I do notice it every month. You get me? And not notice it in a way where I'm, oh, how am I going to eat? I'm a priest. Unfortunately, um, we have all kinds of safety nets. Uh, and it, it really bums me out sometimes. I know that sounds funny, but married people don't have those safety nets. You don't have guaranteed employment. I can leave here and never act like a priest again, and I still get paid. Right? And again, tragedy of tragedies. Uh, but married people can't pull that off. So I don't know if the scale's the same, but here's my scale. Do I notice it? And does it hurt a little? <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Then I'm in the right spot. That's my thinking. But this is a single man who doesn't pay for a house, doesn't pay for electricity or, or, or water or, you know what I mean? I, I, people say, oh, you're not paid much. Nope, but I don't need much. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, I don't know. Is this? Okay. I hope I helped. Um, you said on Sunday, the devil is the most powerful created thing. It made me think, isn't Mary more powerful? Uh, 
Boy, that's tough. I, what I mean is Mary's power is not hers, right? It's God's power. Uh, does this make sense? And Mary was created. Um, but like uh, Mary, boy, I hope I'm right. Uh, stick with me for a sec, okay? You know, 15-year-old to 13-year-old Mary who said yes to God and conceived Jesus in the womb was not as powerful as the devil is in terms of the ability to know, to act. Uh, she was filled with power because it was the Lord through her and in her. On her own, forgive the phrase, she's just a little girl by our standard. By their days, she was a woman. But uh, is that, does that answer it? I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Why don't I double check that? But I'm pretty sure I'm right. That in terms of would, can the devil take Mary? No, he would run from her, which is awesome to think about. But it's not because Mary's got huge powers. It's because the Lord does. And she's the empty reed through which that grace flows. Uh, if that didn't help, let me know. I, I, uh, okay. Why are there so many versions of the divine mercy picture? Sister Faustina was explicit as to how the portrait is painted. Some show Christ eyes down, some looking up and hand placement. Okay. Uh, it's so funny you say this because we're in the process of setting aside a whole area of the church for our divine mercy picture. And, and what? Oh, okay. Chuck's like, is that in the budget? Yeah. Yeah. That's all. That's all Chuck. He's like, look, I love the divine mercy as much as anyone, but I like a balanced checkbook. Yeah, no, this one's all paid for already. Uh, but what we've been looking at is which one's the right one. So it's so funny. I actually have an answer. I believe this is correct. The one that's called the Vilnius painting, V-I-L-N-I-U-S. Now, Vilnius, if I remember, is like the capital of Lithuania. Is that right? So, but what I read is that is the original. That's the one that uh, Faustina said, yes, that's what I saw. Uh, I don't like the one where Jesus is all like white American dude kind of giving you the stink eye. That one freaks me out. I'll be honest. Uh, and I like the Vilnius one. Uh, and that's what we're going after. Uh, so that's my understanding. Um, what I read is that that's the one that she approved and said, yep, that's it. It's a little less gaudy than the one you see a lot. So if you want, check out Vilnius Divine Mercy Image. And, uh, and I think Vilnius is the capital of Lithuania. Okay. I wonder if that's where the dude was from who painted it. Yeah. See, and he's not doing that. Hey, I'm an Italian. You know, uh, I don't know. I, I, he actually looks like he's from the Middle East just for something crazy. Um, why do I always do the Italian joke? Because usually it looks like he's a Southern German, right? You will follow me. Uh, I will clash you like Bogia. The empty read analogy was perfect. Thank you, Padre. Oh, I stole it. That's not me. Um, in fact, here's another seminary story. When I got to seminary, I was kind of like, yeah, Mary's nice, but let's chill out. I was that guy. Um, and uh, one of my professors, we were talking. He asked me into his office, and he said, I think you get a little defensive about Mary. And I said, um, forgive me, right? I was young and 
I knew everything. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, no, I said I get defensive about Mary-olatry, right, the worship of Mary. And he was like, okay. Uh, and this is what I loved about seminary. Unlike university, they wanted you to argue. They wanted you to figure it out. And they didn't think yelling at you for wrong think was the way to go. I, I don't know how to explain it. I always felt free to be wrong. Um, and again, I know I'm making seminary sound like Valhalla, and it wasn't, but it was a great experience for me. And that conversation culminated in this guy, Dr. Uh, Reardon was his name. Best, I put him as top three professors I ever had. Right. Uh, you want to hear who else is on that list? Dr. Rubenstein, Dr. Uh, Reardon. Rubenstein was at U of M. And then third, you know who was third? I promise this is true. Bishop Boyer, who was Father Earl back then. Beast mode teacher. I mean, he locked you in and he had high standards. He was tough. He was probably the toughest grade in seminary. Um, anyway, what were we talking about? So he gave me the book called the empty read. And he said, read this over and see what you think. And if you want to talk about it more, let me know. But it wasn't a formation issue, right? It wasn't, you have to think like me. You have to, no, no. It was, you want to do it? You want to argue? You know, you want to go after this? Yeah. And it was fun. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, hey, read this book. And then I promise he said this. Now, is there something you want me to read? No, you know, the Bible. I want you to read the Bible. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, so that's a great example of another seminary. I got seminary in the brain today. Uh, we often, we see often in the Bible about the professions of the 12 apostles. I wonder why that was documented and noted. What should we glean from that information? You know, the Bible tends to not give you information you don't need. You get that? Like, as we walk through the Gospels in the next few weeks of the foundations, you'll notice that. They don't give you information you don't need. And the best example I can think of is the movie The Passion of the Christ, right? Which was, I think, a 27-hour movie. And how is it in the Bible? He was scourged and then let off to be crucified. Because they knew everybody reading it knew <laughs> Nobody needed to say, here's what scourging was like. Well, here we are two G's later. We need to know because nobody does scourgings anymore because we're not barbarians. Well, we are, but we code it in nice things. So uh, the professions, I would assume it's always intentional. Uh, so, for example, Matthew is a tax collector. That's not IRS. That's the foreign occupying government. He was an employee of the enemy, and Jesus took him. Isn't that cool? Fishermen did pretty well, right? They would have been solid middle class, um, but they would have been roughnecks. That would have been like the Marines of our day. You know what I mean? That was an example I heard. You know, these are roughnecks. They curse, they fight, they're tough, uh, and they're good-hearted. Um, you know, so you get these, yeah, the occupations are important, and uh, including the ones we don't know. They felt it important to tell us that who handled the money? Judas. He handled the group purse. Right? It's kind of funny. You're 100% right. And I assume each of it, each of those is intentional. And I would assume, at least for me, the thing I tend to draw is, well, I can get in. I can be a disciple. Uh, I have uh, betrayed my faith. I have 
uh, than a roughneck. Uh, I, you, you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. He didn't call priests and teachers and brilliant. He called the, the, the people nobody would have picked to be followers. Uh, and I think I've shared this with you. That's one of the reasons C.S. Lewis, what opened his heart to Christianity as an atheist was, well, why did the disciples always show how stupid they were? If I was trying to make up a religion, I'd be like, yeah, I lived with God three years and I kicked butt. I, I learned everything I was supposed to. And instead, every time they talk, they say something dumb, really and failure. Uh, they Peter tells you, uh, yeah, I denied I knew him three times. When he told me I would, and I told him he was wrong. James and John, yep, we went to Jesus and said, we want to be in charge when he takes over. Uh, they were very clear that we were train wrecky people. And that's, I don't know, I think it's the commonness of it that's really cool. Everybody would have known a fisherman. And everyone would have known there was a tax collector, but they would have hated him. Yeah. What was the name of the book you... What was the what? The name of the book. Which book? That he asked you to read. Oh, the empty read. The empty read. Mm-hmm. And it worked. It got me started. And then in a short amount of time, I was all merry boy. Uh, I really was. It was really cool. And they could have forced it on me, but then my head wouldn't have converted. Just my words. Um... Yeah, I love Dr. Reardon. Last I knew, he was teaching at Ave Maria or Sancta Maria or something like that. Um, okay, uh, what are your thoughts on someone who is a devout Catholic but chooses not to send their children to Catholic school, especially when there are some great ones within close proximity to them and they can afford it? Oh, I, I don't have any thoughts on that. Uh, I don't know what I don't know. Uh, seriously, I, I know that sounds funny or maybe cowardly. I promise you it is not. Um, I don't know what I don't know. Uh, and um, some people got so burned by Catholic schools that it'll take three generations before we can convince their descendants to come. Um, some Catholic schools aren't very Catholic. They're more private. Uh, I get it. You know, I never went to a Catholic school. Uh, first time I went into a Catholic school was when I was a priest. Isn't that funny? Um, except for the football field. Which one? Good morning? Yep. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Where are you at? Because it's afternoon here. Yeah. Uh, is there a place to find Father's schedule for this and his other media? Like the question and answer sessions, T-I-A. Huh? Thanks in advance. Oh, shut up. I got you. Okay. Um, yeah. Yes. Excuse me. Uh, I think we follow a pretty simple schedule. The show is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at noon. Um, and then we tend to broadcast. Is that the word? Mass every day at 8, except on Sunday when we broadcast it at 10. Did I get it right? Yep. I think I got everything right. Um, and if you would, uh, please consider a few things. And I hate doing this. I'm so sorry. But if you would subscribe to our podcast, right, that would help us a lot. On any podcasting service, we are Joe in Black Ministries. And you'll see my picture without a beard. I look weird in that picture. Um, I look weird in all of them. Um, come Holy Spirit. So, and then if you could review us, 
Okay, uh, any review on any podcasting service helps us a lot. Same thing with YouTube. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and then, no, no, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, and then if you go to YouTube, you can subscribe to our channel, which is, now it's a different name, Joe in Black Ministries. Yeah, they're both Joe in Black Ministries. Uh, four words, Joe in Black Ministries. And uh, if you could subscribe to our channel and, and like the videos and stuff, this helps us. What's our goal? Our goal is to get the word out about Jesus and his bride, the church. That's it. Um, if we get enough viewers and enough people watching, then that does involve revenue. And what do we do with that revenue? Well, we've created a nonprofit called, get this, it's totally original, ready? Joe in Black Ministries. Right, is that nuts? Creativity is. Yeah, and so basically we do three things with the money we get from that, right? What's the primary two? Um, come Holy Spirit, tuition for the kids at school and our building and grounds, which need a ton of work here. Um, and it's very expensive. Uh, and then the third thing is, of course, it helps us like buy equipment. Um, like we just bought paint, didn't we? We just bought paint from, can I tell him? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Yes. Our, my new studio. Uh, Which means we're moving down the hall. Yeah, we're moving yeah. eight feet. Yeah, we're moving eight feet. Now, for those of you who've been here, what's the first thing? Everyone who comes in, they're like, holy crap, you're packed in. We are packed in. I can touch Carrie, <laughs> right? No, not legally anymore. Uh, something about the restraining order. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we are packed in a small space, uh, which is fine. I mean, we don't care, except Once I'm fat. Once we settled in, it's great. Yeah, it's just, it's just getting to our spots. So like when you see us with the two chairs on Thursdays, that's a lot of work. Uh, it's got to move this thing out of the room, move, the, it's, it's hysterical. And the whole time Maurice is like, where are you gonna put my bed? <laughs> That really, he won't move out of the way because he's like, what are you doing with my bed? The same thing we've done every Thursday, Marius. Oh. Okay, is the book possibly The Read of God by Carolyn Houselander? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Did I say the empty read? Yeah, that's okay. What you what just said is right. For Forgive me, guys. Actually, um, what, uh, what Cheryl just said. Is oh, right. thanks, Cheryl. I appreciate it. Now, was that the Cheryl who tried to steal Sister Teresa from us yesterday? <laughs> I don't Okay, because if so, Cheryl, I love you, but we're fighting at some point. Uh, <laughs> a TBD. Yeah, yeah, to be determined, uh, and we'll eat beforehand. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, whoever nailed that, thank you. I did mess it up. It's the Read of God, and it's a very thin little book, and I get his cleverness, right? He, oh, he's Kevin, sorry. Okay, sorry. Kevin Nugent? No, Kevin Avery, oh. sorry. I hey, Kevin. Um, where credit was due. Right, Kevin Andrus? Avery. Kevin Avery. Okay, thank you, Kevin Avery. I thought it might be an Andrus, which is our family. Yeah. Oh, and a special hello to all the Maple Grove crops. Does Joe and Black Ministries have Venmo? We're not that cool. What is that? No. <laughs> I'm just going to answer it's no a, to whatever the question was? Well, ask, say that. that is Joe and Black... Have Venmo? Venmo. 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 Well, my doctor said if I take the right pills... Um, <laughs> Then go. It's a way for them to give a donation, but we're just not that cool. <laughs> yeah, we can work on being that cool, but I'm overweight, over 50, and bald. Uh, I have PayPal. I'm so proud of that. 
I'm serious. I had to go through this. Like, I would get a, <laughs> I would sign up for PayPal, and they'll be like, okay, in two to three weeks, we will make a small deposit to your account. Do you know this? And oh, then, yeah. then yeah. they come back and ask you, how much did we put in your account? Yeah. And then they, and I'm like, I'm not going to remember this. <laughs> and <laughs> so finally, at some point, I had to. Oh, to buy a baseball. Of course. This was like six years ago. And I'm like, dang it, I'm going to screw this up. And I went to sign up, and basically, I had to do another level of security because they were like, oh, sure, it's you faking to be Joe again. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, this is not a process for ADHD people. This is not a process that favors ADHD. I feel like two weeks from now, there's 14 more cents in my checking account. Yes. Kevin gets Jesus points for that. Yeah, Kevin, Boku Jesus points. I'm going to go nine. Yeah. Wait, I'm going to give you eight, and here's why. Okay. Mary's birthday is September 8th. There you go. There you go. Also, my mom's birthday. There you go. I can't believe. So, by the way, I beat 33 years old by like 19 years. I am now Jesus' elder. No? Yeah. I'm going to stop now. There you go. Okay, well, you guys, thanks so much for tuning in. What a joy. And I'm sorry for the self-promotion crap. I don't want to do it. But honestly, if this can generate some help for our kids, for our school, for our buildings and grounds, that really is a blessing. And, and not that you need to send us money. Um, although we'll take it. Um, as long as Chuck doesn't blow it on another case of beer. <sighs> like, Chuck, it's 9 a.m. on Sunday. <laughs> So, uh, actually, do you know what? I'm going to throw a prayer out there. I have been stuck on my homily all week. I had a big breakthrough with Sister Teresa. Were you there for that? You were there for that. A big breakthrough. She was like, we'll do this. I'm like, oh, but I'm still a little bit stuck. And uh, I think I'm just brain tired. I've been, it's been a dogfight to write homilies. So, it's Friday, and I'm not done. I know. I don't know if so. You want to see my notes for this homily? Seriously, Chuck, here, take a look. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Two sentences. Even if you but in my defense, three commas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like the uh, collect at mass. All right. So uh, I'm going to wrap us up. And thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks for your wonderful questions. Sorry if I said anything awful today. There was something I said where you looked shocked and said, let's move on. And I don't even remember what, but I'm sure I'm going to find out. So, uh... Your comment about bishops. Bishop, yeah. I love my bishop. It wasn't about your bishop. It was oh, about bishops in general. Oh, about the letter. That's the worst. I Do you know it. about this? <laughs> well, I did I say it? <laughs> yeah, you Oops. Did. We covered it. Let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. Nothing to see here, folks. Nothing to see here, folks. Move along. Remember that on the... Okay, stop it. So, salad pray, and I will see you beautiful people on Wednesday when I'm geeked out. Because do you know what we're getting to on Wednesday at Foundations? The best thing to me. This or the Eucharist is the best thing. Or the cross. I know. And then we going to be like, or the teachings, or the, you know, it's like, all right, I stink. One of my favorite things to talk about, and one of the most underrated elements of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, the incarnation. We're talking about that on Wednesday. And I'm like, I have more written about that than my homily. And that's probably the problem. I'm all geeked out about that. Focus. Okay. Um, what are we doing? Praying. Oh, we're going to pray now. Salad pray. 
in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Oh, Jesus, thank you for these beautiful people. And thank you that we get to learn and grow together. It really means a lot, Lord, that so many people want to know more about your fit life, the, our life in you. And Lord, Ukraine is heavily on my heart today. Uh, this morning, watching the news and seeing all those bodies, I just felt the horror of it on a new level. And so what we're asking, Lord, and we mean it, we're asking for a miracle. We're asking for a divine movement to drive the soldiers from Russia out of Ukraine and keep them safe and secure in their homes. We ask that you comfort all of those who mourn there and protect all of those who fight to defend their families and their home and their houses. And Lord, we ask that for a conversion of the Russian leadership, a mighty conversion like St. Paul and St. Augustine. We ask these things because they're good things. Please hear our prayer. For all of those who are cold or hungry or alone or sick or scared, come to their rescue. And we're also conscious of the people we love so much and worry about and all those circumstances that we lug around because we, we, we fret and all of it we give to you and we love you and we trust you. And may the blessings of Almighty God be with you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll see you wonderful people either when I choke on my homily Sunday or when we gather again on Wednesday. Peace. Is it over? No, it's never over.